0: This is Ramsey Radio, the farming and farm machinery podcast from Ramsey Brothers, partnering farmers since 1950.
1: Hello, and welcome to Ramsey Radio, the farming podcast from Ramsey Brothers. I'm your host, Tim Glover, and really excited to be joining you today, one of South Australia's gurus of harvest data, Ed Scott. Ed, welcome to Ramsey Radio. Thanks, Tim. Great to
0: be here and yeah, thanks for the opportunity.
1: Ed, you're pretty well known to SA farmers, but just in case there is a minority out there that haven't uh, heard of you or met you in person, can you give us a quick rundown on your background?
0: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Tim. So yeah, I'm a soil advisor, most commonly seen engaging with growers down the soil pit. But yeah, in the last couple of years, I've been working on understanding how our soils perform across the broad acre landscape which has led me to working closely with the crop scan on combine grain analysers, and the harvest data being generated.
1: Fantastic for you to join us, mate. And thanks for that. Uh, now it's an interesting time of year for harvest data. I mean, a lot of farmers will have gathered a lot of valuable data, obviously over the harvest period. So I guess let's start right to where we are now. Machines are loaded with data. Where do we go from here?
0: Yeah, like you say, Tim, there's been a huge amount of data collected over a pretty drawn out period for this one, so everyone's yeah really deserved a well-earned break, and, uh, but yeah, I think it's certainly been front of mind with all the discussion um, around fertiliser pricing and, and commodity pricing as it is in general, and saying, well, everyone's sort of pricking up their ears and saying, how do we actually dig into this data and actually really try and extract some value out of it now? We can start reviewing the year that was, but also start tackling the year ahead and actually employing some of this data that we have collected and really to get to the bottom of where some of the weaknesses and strengths might be and how we can actually do better. Because quite often yield data, like we talked about all the data that is collected at harvest, but so much, um, like with the growers, around the place there's still so many um, growers that still end up just with the flurry of it all, still have yield data sitting on the head a year on year that doesn't get looked at. And I think that's really the opportunity that no data that has been collected is wasted, but it's actually getting into it and extracting that data out and and processing it in a way that's actually usable. And really it's just trying to remove some of those those friction points around using that data. And that sort of links back to what I find is that the sooner you can get onto the data and like relate, like because you so relatable, once you've finished harvest, it gets straight into the data, you remember it, it's fresh in your mind and say, how can we do better, rather than sitting on it and trying to work on it down the track. But again, if you've got an archive of a few years' worth of data, this is the year to tap into it because we can really start extracting some value out of it and, and do better with inputs and management across the season.
1: Yeah, and I think that's um, that's obviously, uh, you know, where the meat is on the bone, so to speak, and, and we'll get into that Um Uh, as we progress with our discussion today. But um, be fair to say, uh, in your opinion, that it's easier to capture the data than it used to be?
0: Yes, certainly. I think it's got easier and I guess more reliable. And I think when we start looking at any sort of precision ag data, the gap between collecting the data and using the data is having that confidence in the data. Is that what I've collected, do I have confidence to use that information to make a better decision? And, and really, I think uh, everyone can sort of attest to a lot of the, the data that's coming in off the, off the harvesters is now getting more, more reliable. So, yeah, many growers, um, yeah, obviously collecting yield data, but then we're also now got grain analyzers, which are on harvesters, which were capturing that protein, oil, moisture every few seconds across the field. So, yeah, like the crop scan grain analyzer units, um, NIR, like near infrared sensors. So we've got this very accurate protein, moisture, oil reading coming in with accurate yield. And suddenly we're starting to close the gaps and say, what's actually going across as far as our field performance? So really interesting data being been um, collected across the board now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, what I've noticed across a number of years is that we always see early adopters of, of this technology. But are you finding that those early adopters, that there's guys that are still sitting in the wings waiting to see what they do or... Um, are you seeing the uptake of guys utilising this data greater than it's
0: ever been? Yeah, so it's been, uh, again, an interesting one on that um, on that bell curve of adoption. And, yeah, there's been, well when we start looking at something like the grain analyzer on Harlan, so they've been around for eight-plus years, and now it's really been this sort of push around understanding where it fits in with how it can make the data. Yes, we get good information from the harvest side of things, but using that information for now some great research and coming through around using that protein information for better nitrogen management decisions that everyone's pricking up their ears and realizing that yeah something that's yeah been collected from that season before now has um immense power in that following year. So really um that middle of the the bell curve um, is really trying to bridge that gap is, I think has got a lot to do with trying to bridge the friction points. And in that, in that big part of that bell curve, there's lots of different friction points as to why this data isn't being used. Is it the machinery side of things? Do they have capacity to collect the accurate data and then have means to do something differently once they do analyze the data? Or is it just the, there is that intimidating element of, once you have all these numbers sitting in a, in a um, some sort of file, that how do I actually get that information out and do I have confidence to go and ask someone or can I do it myself and suddenly it can all quite quickly get too hard, um, which is where there's so much support out there. We just need to be working on bridging that gap on making sure the right people are getting the right support and everyone's scenario is different.
1: And I guess that leads us into the obvious next question. Ed. And I really want you to stress a little bit there. One of the things that you just said is is growers having the confidence of knowing where to turn. But what is the process? And
0: uh, you know, once they've got that data,
1: how do they get it out and turn it into a usable information?
0: Sure. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's going through a really interesting period. Well, I think again you touched on it. Getting capturing data is becoming easier. I think the whole using of the data is going to be easier and easier as we. Go from everyone running in proprietary files, proprietary softwares, and, and everything getting quite locked away, and you have to know the exact pathway to go down. Now there's more flexibility coming in with cloud-based computing. There's a lot more flexibility that is um, evolving, which is giving more opportunity for growers to give things a the crack themselves. And there's no, you do know, so much learning and without creating too much damage there by learning and doing yourself. And something like must say, something like YouTube um, for navigating yourself and doing your self-taught tutorials is um, a super powerful way. Especially when you're sitting there, come back from fishing off the off the coast over your summer break and watch a couple of YouTube videos around how I can start interrogating your data is a great starting point. But as I said before, just there's so much support in the um, like precision ag tech support side of things. People who are really eager to help you navigate through your data, and yeah, whether it's through the local machinery dealer or your agronomist. And again, farmers have different appetites for the information. Different techs and reps and agros have different appetites for dealing with or and bandwidth to be actually able to deal with the data. So it's trying to get the combination that fits you and your team um, to make sure you're getting the best out of the data. Work out where your barrier is and say, why haven't I got this data off my header, used it in the last five years? And really, a lot of it comes down to I just, I just don't have the time or don't know what I'm looking for. Is Let's get someone involved at that point and get that support because once you have that data, you can start doing something with it. And I think the
1: reality is, um, we're in an industry where ultimately we're dictated to by what falls from the sky, probably the one thing that we can't control, but by heck, there's a lot of things that we can control and we can make better. and uh, you know and ultimately, you talked about input costs and that sort of things before. You know we're in a situation now we haven't been in a long time. You know not only is there uncertainty around availability of certain um inputs and chemical and fertilizer and that sort of stuff, pricing's ridiculous. So, you know, whatever advantage that we can see. And, and if this data becomes that, um, that key point that we go, right, let's use it, we've got it, let's find the people that can help us use it to maximise what we're getting, has only got to be a good thing. So Ed, now we know what's been captured and where it is. I want to move on to the real value of harvest data, and that's how farmers can use it to improve their efficiencies, like we talked about. Productivity, uh, obviously, for the next season. So let's get into that right after this short break. Bednar Terraland TO, the name to remember for soil renovation. Exclusively available through Ramsey Brothers, why settle for a machine that works on one dimension? Do more in one pass. Increase oxygen supply and remove hard pans. Mix and combine topsoil for better structure and nutrient availability. Increase root growth and microbial activity and improve moisture retention. Bednar Terraland TO, it's a ripper. Call Ramsey Brothers for more. Ramsey Brothers, partnering farmers since 1950. Welcome back to Ramsey Radio. We're talking today to harvest data expert, Ed Scott, about maximising the value of your grain analyzer data. So, Ed, before the break, we uh, established that uh, it's a lot easier now to uh, to get the data. Um, you know, farmers are practical people, so to translate the bits and bytes of harvest data into dollars in the farm account, How does a grain analyzer or grain analysis, sorry, help improve efficiency and productivity and yields and profits?
0: Yeah, thanks, Tim. And I guess it comes at at multiple levels and uh, the work around the grain analyzers linking them with yield data. So essentially everything we're capturing on the harvester related to what we've produced in that year, we're linking together and how we can get that that greatest value out of it. So from the grain analyzer perspective, like I touched on before, it's it's measuring um, the protein, moisture and oil. And so with that, we've got the grain blending on farm at harvest time, which creates value for the guys who've got the flexibility and storage to do that. You've got value there. For others, the value sits around at harvest time for the the moisture management, getting really accurate moisture readings. And that's the value of NIR technology. So that near infrared technology is it is a really accurate um, measurement of of, um, moisture as well as that protein reading. But then really, where we're going to now is say, after that harvest piece, that like I touched on that yield and protein, we've suddenly got that grain quality and quantity being collected every few seconds across the field. So we've got a really high-density um, map around how that field is actually performed and where the strengths and weaknesses are. And the really neat thing around where yield and protein link in is it essentially is a just a great lever or indicator um, of what levers are essentially being pulled as the main drivers around that limiting factor and what might be setting up that bit of a yield gap in a field or how much actual uh, fuel is sort of left in the tank in some of these areas because what we're seeing is when we start analysing these uh, fields, some of our high performance, higher-performing areas have actually got more grunt in them there that they could have delivered based on the nitrogen availability or moisture availability that they could have had. So what we start doing is trying to work through um, that yield protein element. So in quite simply, just linking your field into four zones. So um, high yield, high protein is your, or high uh, protein is your best performing zone for argument's sake. Your high yield, low protein area had been nitrogen limited. Your low yield high protein area has been water limited and then a low yield low protein area there might be some other constraint there or is it nitrogen or nutrients and or and water combined so once we've got those four zones we can actually see run right, of this area had a bit more um, horsepower there we could have um, extracted other areas have been limited so why do we keep throwing the same amount of um, money at those areas year on year and I guess basically from what we've been seeing um, navigating through um, a lot of data from all around Australia is in some of these lower protein zones when they're lower protein and higher yield, they're our indicator where we actually could have um, had a yield response as well. So, looking at that protein level when you're sitting under that sort of 11, 11 11.5%, if there have been numbers rolling in, uh, yeah, in that. Eight, nine, tens is what we're seeing. We're seeing at least three to five hundred kilos yield response for those percentage points below um eleven, eleven and a half percent. So a big thing is is around the grain analysis when they're originally been looked at for this harvest data, everyone was looking saying, Why are we chasing protein? There's no not enough money in the spread. But what we're seeing is that protein is our indicator for where we could actually be making more money in the field. At the higher end? And
1: uh, Then the valuable information will be application maps, I guess, it can be used with variable rate systems for summer soil treatments, uh, obviously at seeding and through the next growing season. But um, are there also insights for farmers who don't have that shed full of high-tech equipment?
0: Yes, certainly. And I must say, when we talk about the ad- adoption, it's been really um, amazing what farmer has made the first move and starts tapping into this data. It's not necessarily the one who's had all the – variable rate right gear that can do everything within a, an inch of its um capacity but
1: and if, I'll just and I'll just jump in there ed because like I was talking about before with those early adopters and we know that there's guys out there that have that have gone down this path and said that that I need all that stuff but um so often you hear the stories of well yeah, I've got it all but well, I actually haven't done anything with it so yeah any any star you can make got to be a good
0: start definitely and, and that's the honor people on there second variable rate or second cedar that's got very capacity and haven't tapped into that element of the technology. It's like, aren't oh, you paying for it? You've got a, a goldmine of data you've been collecting over the last five plus years that we yep. could have been using this information. So it's bridging that gap. And by no means do you need the the flashes bit of application gear at the other end to actually start extracting value out of this information. So big thing is, is capturing the the data, understanding your maps. And then once we have had a look at some of the, how that's zoned up is um, yeah, we can point and shoot to certain areas. And I mean, trials we've got going this year, where quite simply these areas that keep showing up year on year as our water limited zone. So constantly showing why these lower yield, higher protein areas keep showing up in the similar zones, whether it's a wet year or a dry year, there's a handbrake on that system somewhere. So we've used those zones to target deep ripping this year, And so say, can we actually open that bucket up and tap into that subsoil in those areas? So, And we've just targeted those blue zones on the map. And then in other um, scenarios, it's been especially in variable soil type fields, might be like a dune, swale type, um, mallee type system where you can say, right, we've got these sands, we just need to patch them out. We've got the rainfall, they've got more um, capacity to deliver more yield. We've got the information here to know that if we, put the spreader in the field for this um, last year year application, we've got confidence that that area is going to give it back in spades. So I think that's that whole thing that if you don't necessarily have to have the highest um, um, technology um, system, you've just got to know what areas of your field are, are doing what, so you can use the information smartly to your own system. And then we can start linking back. Is it nutrient related? Is it nutrient related at seeding time or is it a spreading impact and then part of that then limps up is how quick do we need this data do we need it ready to go right now for our fertiliser decisions for planting or is it you know we can work through this data and understand how the crop's gone in and make sure our map's ready for our first urea spread and then of course we've got the gypsum and lime side of things um, and then um, how we can then start linking into your overall nutrient management strategy and there's been some great research coming through um, like James Hunt's work on the end banking strategies, I'm saying how can we actually play this game of of rather than being so tactical with our nitrogen applications and chasing our tail, in a year like this uh, where fertiliser prices are up, it would be great to know more around our system uh, as far as the, our nitrogen strategy to say what areas could, can we back off on. What areas do we need to keep pushing the, the nitrogen into because we're going to get the response back? So, And, um, yes, yeah, so that's going to be the big driver for this year is um, also looking at it's not necessarily about cutting your fertiliser back and a lot of people think oh, I'm just going to trim my yield back too much. It's really around how we can actually have confidence to go harder in the areas that need it and back off in the areas that constantly year on year are costing us money and that's really the big thing.
1: It's a funny game that we're in, in the sense that, um, you know, there's times that I see that we do things or we make decisions because we've made that decision before and it's worked out okay. It could have worked out better, but it could have worked out worse. You know, and I think sometimes we are, uh, we're a little bit um, hindered by just a little bit of a mindset.
0: And definitely, and all of this is like, you've got to walk before you run uh, on all of this data management and then engaging with that data as well. And that's really where, um, typically working with any grower is start with the, the field that they know best or that they wanna they know that they can have impact on. They're connected with the data, they see the response and have confidence to build that up. You don't necessarily need to do your whole program variable rate in year one. It's trying to pick where those opportunities are, validate it and, and build on from there. And quickly moving on, because it's a little bit um,
1: beyond the scope of grain analysis, uh, but it's still important to confirm the analyser indication with soil testing. So realistically, you know, at the end of the day, we sit back and actually go, sometimes it's actually just pertinent to dig a hole, Definitely. Yeah, so no. see what we've got there, get that information from those yields and actually get the old shovel out, or uh, in your case, I've seen you go before, get the excavator or the backhoe out. Your hole's a bit bigger than mine, but, um, you know, to actually break the soil and actually have a
0: look at what's going on. Definitely, and it's really, you can't get away from the physical element of getting the boots on the ground when really having, um, when really trying to get the most out of this information. And with the soil testing, it's how do you set your strategies up um, around the information you are collected? And simply, uh, no matter what data layers you do have, use them for um, your soil testing strategy. So is there high-performing areas, low-performing? Use those as, as areas to validate and say, why Why is that? And, uh, yeah, so we can then look at... So from some of the research coming through now, we're seeing from the protein side of things is the high-protein areas, because they haven't... Um, typically, they're a lower-yielding area where we get the spike in protein. Quite often, they've got greater carryover nitrogen. So there'll be more deep end there. So of the higher yielding area. We've had more net removal of nitrogen, so typically they're a lower soil nitrogen zone.
1: Yeah, so what's the message for a grower who knows they could be doing more with their harvest data? Um, you know what's your advice and what plan could they follow? For me,
0: what I try and do is break down um, the, I guess working with the growers on try to find their fit. like what, what tools do they have at their disposal? What harvest data do they collect? Is it just yield? Can we tap back into NDVI from earlier on that year? What can help us build these zones? And then what tools do you have to then implement? So there's no point doing a whole heap of high, high level sort of interrogation of your data if you don't have the implement to um, be able to get the action on the ground on the other end. So we can simplify it, keep the data processing in line with what you've got capacity to implement. If all we can do is strip trials, then we'll work towards that. And then I touched on earlier, but just around that timing is when can we actually intervene? Seeding is the one time, I guess we're in a in a no-till system. If we haven't had that strategic tillage opportunity, seeding is when we're intervening with the soil. The rest of the year, we're sort of topping up the, the whole system. So, what needs to happen at the start of the year, and what happens throughout the year, and then so that essentially governs what sort of support you'll need and when. So that links that all together from the harvest data. What we want to know is at a minimum is let's get an accurate reading on what your total nutrient removal has been because that's our starting guide for what needs to be replaced. Then certain areas could be pushed more and some need to be backed off. But so often now with picking up the yield and protein information, we're seeing areas that are getting blanket rates year on year, that areas that are just copying hiding on the uh, nutrient efficiency in these areas that just aren't giving it back. And the nitrogen's still sitting there. So we're saying let's back off our nitrogen areas and the areas that have got a big bank of end in the soil and shuffle that same paddock spend across to um, another area and actually um, capitalise on that, on those inputs rather than them going to waste another area. And then the critical thing in all this is start somewhere like you just tap into any data you've got start somewhere because I think this is the year to really even pick a couple of paddocks to um, just start to get to know more, have them um, analyse either yourself, like navigate through that or, or get someone to have a look at it and step you through. And yes, great to have a roundtable discussion as well. I know most of the time when I'm um, meeting up with growers, there'll be the machinery dealer, to so the agro, to other farm advisors, to um, mum, dad and the team all, all in around having the discussion saying, well, Rada, what should we be doing to make our whole system do better coming off the year that was? The year that's now ahead, and I think Ed, when you sit back and you, um, you know, you look at the
1: numbers and you look at the um, the possibilities and the advantages involved in this, your point on making a start uh, and making a decision has has got to be a good thing. Definitely,
0: definitely, definitely, and it's um, yes, yeah, it's just finding those gaps and it's really looking for that low-hanging fruit in your system, and ultimately those incremental changes in management can have significant benefits on the other end, and that's what we're all here to chase,
1: Ed. Really uh, appreciate and thank you for coming on to Ramsey Radio today and uh, look forward to hopefully catching up with you soon.
0: Thanks for that, Tim. Thanks for the time.
1: And thanks to you, our listeners, for listening to another edition of Ramsey Radio. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you rate, share, and subscribe to the program on your favourite podcast app. And if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, the program's for you, please let us know. We'd love to get your feedback. Once again, thanks for listening. I'm Tim Glover, and I'll catch you for the next episode of Ramsey Radio, and in the meantime, stay safe and look
0: after each other. You've been listening to Ramsey Radio, brought to you by Ramsey Brothers. Find this and all our podcasts on your preferred podcast app or on our website at ramseybros.com.au.